Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good afternoon and good evening and welcome to the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris Howard, joining you as always for our latest podcast. Today we're going full on analytics. I've got Nancy Allen from our analytics, our people and workforce analytics team. Nancy, how are you doing? Good, thanks, Chris. You recently went to a conference, and so I wanted to pick your brains on that conference. It was the HR Analytics Summit. And of course, we've had this people and workforce analytics practice, which we started up at the beginning of this year. We've been talking about analytics for quite some time, but we've had our practice in place for the best part of this year. And we we thought we'd send you down to the, you and uh, your our colleague uh, Julian Holmes, we'd send you guys down to the HR Analytics Summit so that you can find out what's the vibe, what's going on in the market at the moment. So all I wanted to do today is just take however long it takes really to go through some of the interesting points from the conference. So I'm going to just probably take your steer on this because I wasn't there. So give me a little bit of a flavour, just I guess as the overview, we'll start off with a bit of an overview of the analytics summit, the types of people there, and I guess the general vibe from some of the delegates. Sure. It's a conference that's held every year. And I think your, your typical audience is your sort of heads of people and analytics and then their teams. I've attended this conference for a while now, both kind of as a consultant at LACE and previously when I was an analytics practitioner. And I think delegates always find it useful to just kind of talk with peers as they would do at any other sort of specialist conference and, and just see how other people are doing and, and what they're working on. I think especially with analytics, it can be within HR, it can be quite a lonely role at times yeah. because you have sometimes quite a different skill set and, and capability to the rest of your peers in HR. So it often feels like you're kind of pushing for the value to, to be recognized as well as doing kind of all that great work. So I think it's always good to connect with others who are sharing those same challenges. Yeah, exactly. It's finding out, is everyone in the same boat as me, I guess? I always find that an interesting thing because, as you said, it's quite a niche sort of part of the function. And so I wonder if there is an element of how advanced people are and being able to, it's almost like looking over the fence, isn't it? It's like, what are these guys working on and things like that? Yeah, that's it. And I think you can always kind of apply it to your own organisation and work out what you could try or even kind of what not to try sometimes as well. And I think... There was an element of kind of going back to basics a little bit with some of the presentations we heard, which was really interesting. And I think it resonated with a lot of the research that Julian and I did last year when we were setting up LACES people analytics practice is that even organizations that are fairly advanced and, and doing the more kind of, you know, cool, interesting stuff, like they're still spending time having to kind of work on the basics or fix the basics. You want to spend as little time as possible on that and kind of push things like automation and and push things like self-service, but you can never kind of really neglect it entirely. And if you don't get that bit right, then the stuff you're doing that's a lot more advanced isn't isn't going to have that credibility. And I think even though people analytics as a discipline has has been around for for decades now, really, Mm. there are still organizations you know, large organizations with, with you know, large budgets who, who are still very much at the start of that journey. And they're looking at things like their data model or data governance, data quality, definitions, like all that kind of foundational stuff 
that you need to build on. And so a lot of the presentations are actually focused on that as well. Yeah, it's really interesting. And you said about the getting that sort of a lot of it is the getting back to basics. And quite often, I feel like businesses um, can often think that they're sort of lagging or there's somebody, you know, these guys over here are doing are so much more advanced. And I think sometimes that happens because of your reading, obviously, what's the latest trends, what's the latest thing. And we we ourselves at least talk about the importance of, you know, people analytics and the rise in demand and desire of that part of the HR function. But actually, in reality, what we come across is that many businesses aren't as advanced as perhaps the thought leadership out there suggests. So it's, it's always good to get that kind of recalibration, I guess, isn't it? But Let's talk about some of the actual interesting things that were at the conference. So I just want you to pluck out for me a few nuggets. Obviously, we won't <laughs> we won't have time for you to talk about every single one of the different sessions and stuff. But if you can just pick out maybe a couple, two or three of the sessions that you thought were really interesting and what some of the the thinking was that was going on at the conference. Let me start with the um, opening presentation we heard, which um, was from someone called Jelvi Gretsch, who works at our REA Group, who are, I believe they're based in Australia. So her presentation was all around, and it was more general than analytics, actually, which I liked because, again, analytics, because it can be quite niche, you need you do need to kind of connect it to, to broader themes. So she was talking about how you connect your purpose to your practice or, or, or what you do. So she kind of started with her background growing up. And, and how kind of some of the obstacles she's faced shaped the, the career choices she, she made as an adult. So I think one of the key messages is that employees probably work for organizations for one of three reasons. So survival at that kind of fundamental level or growth or a kind of broader purpose. And we need to remember that we only spend sort of, you know, 20, 30 percent of our time at working. So, I think you know, who we are outside can shape our behaviours and our choices a lot more than kind of the things that go on day to day at work. And when I was kind of reflecting on that after the conference, I was thinking about stuff a little bit more niche in analytics, but things like, I don't know, predictive analysis and flight risk models, which, you know, are a very hot topic in analytics right now. And they can be a very useful tool when they're used correctly, but they're never going to account, well, not unless they're crossing slightly shaky ethical grounds, they're never going to account for that other sort of 70% outside work. So it, it's that kind of the human element of human resources that you need to remember, really. It's really fascinating when you think about it like that, that kind of 70-30 split, as you said, and, and the story sounds quite, it sounds quite inspiring. Yeah, it definitely was. And I think especially at a sort of quite niche technical conference, you you can kind of get bogged down on in those things. And they are interested, especially if you're a bit of a data geek. But remembering that kind of broader outlook, I, I think, is really important in, well, for anyone, really. But I think, you know, in this context about, you know, how you operate as a team and what you choose to focus on and an effective analytics team is, is there to sort of create value in a lot of different ways. So, you know, improving business outcomes is one of them and arguably the most important, but it's also about that experience for your employees as well. Bearing that sort of thing in mind, I, I think can be really valuable. Yeah, 100%, 100%. So um, you also mentioned just before we uh, we went live on the recording stuff around work, you did also mention AI. Now, I'm losing track of the uh, amount of content that's out there around AI. So please feel free to have as much or as little uh, of a go at, um, at talking about what some of the discussions were. But I'd imagine there were a few bits and bobs that were taking place about the impact of it. How's it going to impact you know, analytics teams or businesses as a, as a wider function? Definitely. And I think it's interesting to track kind of where we were this time last year at the same conference yeah. when it was it was around, but 
ChatGPT hadn't launched at, you know, this time last year. So the main theme last year was around hybrid working and, you know, sort of speculative stuff around AI and what, what the potential impact could be. And I think we're, we're still in the realm of speculation a little bit in terms of like how HR could utilize it or how organizations or how it how it's going to shape the future of work. One of the interesting presentations on the topic was by Shell, who actually also spoke about it last year in a kind of practical sense around leveraging machine learning for job evaluations as, as an example of how, you know, it could be used to make transactional work run a lot yeah. smarter. She spoke about how organizations can kind of choose how to approach AI. They, you know, they could be a, more of a leader in the field. They could just leverage what's already there or, or take more of a wait and see approach. And I think I'd say probably the majority of organizations are in that sort of wait and see or maybe slightly exploratory sort of area at the moment. It's quite funny, isn't it? Because it does feel like everyone's talking about it, but it still feels an early adopter kind yes. of mindset, doesn't it? And I just wonder uh, of the, if you spoke to many people in the actual conference itself, like, is everyone doing the same thing and going, well, what, what are you doing with AI at the moment? And nobody really has any kind of perspective. Well, not that I've seen, although admittedly, you know, you should, please feel free to correct me, but it's almost like lots of people are sort of wait and see approach at the moment. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of we assume it will have an impact, but we're still working out exactly what that impact would be. And it's almost like if you think about it legislatively, then the technology is kind of far, far ahead of, of the regulatory side of things. And I think the kind of ethical side of things as well. So it's, I think, kind of getting that balance between what, what would be possible and what would be beneficial, but also what what is right as well. I think kind of one of the themes that came through in the presentation I, I was talking about is that you're likely to see organizational, or you should, if it's used correctly, see organizational productivity increase and obviously the automation of routine tasks. And then I think an HR impact there will be like, you know, how, how are you going to assess employee performance if some of that kind of more transactional work is, is taken away from them? And that probably a skill that is going to become more important is around kind of actually using things like judging and assessing skills to do the things that, you know, an algorithm or, or a machine or a bot won't won't be able to do. I don't know if you've heard there's, there's that kind of quite famous example now of the Amazon hiring algorithm that went horribly wrong a few years ago. So they built an AI tool that would score candidates or applications based on previous applications and what had been successful. But what they kind of failed to take into account is the fact that the majority of successful applications for tech roles in the past were male. So the model kind of taught itself to, to root yeah. out female applications. So they had to kind of shelve the model entirely. So I think that sort of human role in, in checking models and checking them for that sort of bias is going to become a lot more important. Yeah, 100%. And really interesting what you were saying there about it's that skill, isn't that human skill that you can't just plug and play with AI and with some of this predictive stuff, because that's a really interesting and slightly scary example yeah. about when you're just giving full power to those machines. So what else? Um, interesting stuff because I don't want to sort of get into the world fully sort of immersed into the world of AI because as, as we said it's an area which is still a, an evolving area but was there any other sort of nuggets or interesting themes that you thought oh that was quite interesting and worth telling our lovely listeners about today? I think the other area which a couple of speakers focused on would be around strategic workforce planning as well mm. and that was I think quite encouraging to see because again it's something that's always been sometimes thought of as adjacent to people analytics which Again, this was another theme that came up in the white paper that we released earlier this year, that even though 
the type of skill set or capability needed to do SWP is, is very similar to what you would have in a high performing people analytics team. They're often either kind of separated or like you might have kind of might not even sit in HR. To see it kind of come together and sort of focused on at an HR analytics conference was was really encouraging and maybe a kind of recognition that actually it makes sense to kind of keep those two disciplines together rather than yeah. separate. To do analytics effectively, it really shouldn't be that kind of niche team on the side just investigating projects. It should be kind of embedded into how HR and the business operates. So kind of that that coming together, I think, is is really important. We had a really good presentation from Alex Brown at Nestle, which I think kind of took a lot of the macro and the sort of external concepts that you need to do strategic workforce planning well, but it kind of distilled it into something that was quite digestible and I think something that you could take to leaders and kind of they could turn SWP into something a bit more more tangible. I suppose. Mm. So, you know, you need to think about the right combination kind of links to what we were saying just now about AI, like what's the right combination of people and technology to deliver your business plan? Getting that balance, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Thinking about kind of process and data in, in line with that as well. Thinking about obviously how the business might grow and change and sort of all those different level scenarios that could happen, really understanding the patterns in your existing workforce. So things like, you know, what's your attrition rate? What's your retirement rate? So if things stay the same, then how do you kind of plan for that as well as plan for growth or plan for kind of expanding into a new market, all that sort of thing. And I think the other kind of really important point that a lot of organizations can forget is that, you know, Workforce planning is a cyclical process as well. It's not just you put lots of effort into doing a plan. That's it. Hand it over. There you go. It's that kind of partnership and continuous improvement that you need to really embed it and make it successful. Yeah, the evolution and also the ongoing evolution as well of the function. And I think we're going to certainly over the coming months and if we're here in a year's time, we will have spent a lot more time looking at that sort of strategic workforce planning side of it. I think AI, as you said, Kind of businesses are still in that early adoption phase. That'd be interesting if we are having a Nancy went to the 2024 <laughs> HR Analytics Summit. And what did they talk about? Like, is there anything? Do you think it will still be similar sort of themes? Or have, given you said like it's there's a slight change from when you went in 2022 to the focus. Do you see it being quite similar? What's your kind of viewpoint on what we're going to get for perhaps the next year or so in that analytics space? And I appreciate that's quite a difficult question to ask, which is to answer, which is why I asked it. It makes sense as a question. I think there are kind of some big topics that never go away. AI, I can definitely see being still on the agenda next year. I think, you know, potentially in conjunction with something like SWP. So how do you use AI to think about how work might look in the future and then plan for that and sort of just start to get a lot more agile as well. And then there are other other topics, which I think, like, if I think back to last year, as I said, hybrid working was pretty much every other presentation was focused on hybrid working. And I think this yeah. year, the message was more, if you don't think it's a good idea, then that's probably not the right approach as an organization. So organizations that are, say, mandating a five-day week in the office are probably going to sort of take the hit in terms of employee attrition, engagement, business performance, et cetera. So I think there's stuff that I wouldn't call it like a flash in the pan trend, but I think stuff that feels like it's been almost answered. Those bigger, slower moving things like how to harness like huge technological developments feel like they'll be continuing. Nice. So there's anything sort of final parts, because I'm conscious, as I said, right at the start of the pod, we don't want to go through 
every single element. There was some interesting stuff, I think, from uh, Heidi Lopez, actually, who was Activate Intelligence, who I've, uh, I've met before around D&I analytics or there's employee listening capabilities. So we won't go through all of the different elements because we could be here all day. But was there any just final points just as we wrap up today that maybe we might not have covered that you thought it might be interesting for the listeners? I think the fact that it was probably as, as an event operating at different levels is really mm. interesting. And I, I think that shows that organizations do kind of need to cover everything in people analytics. So you're leveraging new technology, but you're also kind of getting a data quality right. And a good team will be operating at all, all those levels. That's probably my closing point, to be honest. Yeah, no, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, Nancy, absolutely amazing to have you, uh, you join us on the show again today. Really, really good to find out about the summit and some of the interesting topics that were featured. Of course, we'll be uh, producing lots of different thoughts based on a variety of different people analytics issues, challenges that organisations are facing in the coming weeks, months and uh, over the next year or so. But uh, if you have a suggestion or if you want to talk to us about your people workforce analytics challenges, if maybe if you've got a viewpoint that you want to jump on the podcast then please feel free to do so nancy once again lovely to have you on thanks for having me you can of course get this podcast wherever you get your podcasts we're on all of the major platforms and then if this is the first time you're listening to the podcast we also have a insights page which has lots of interesting people analytics content written by nancy and julian and some of the other members of the team as well so on behalf of myself and on behalf of nancy and lace partners thank you very much for listening and hopefully we'll see you next time on the hr on the offensive podcast goodbye